Welcome to the Mac Emerge Podcast. My name is Teresa Chan, and with me I have Kevin Dom, Brendan Trotter, and Joanna Dida, and we'll be your podcast team. Our goal is to connect all the McMaster affiliated emergency physicians so we all get to know each other a little better. We have so much great talent and expertise in this region. We want to highlight it into one regional podcast. Each podcast features one invited guest to speak about their expertise or interests. Additionally, we will feature external speakers who have delivered regional rounds at one of our teaching sites. And don't forget about the residents. We'll be featuring stories about our residents and what they've been up to as well. All right, are you ready? Let's get started with this month's episode. Hello everyone, it's Kevin Dong here and welcome to the December 2021 episode of the Macamerge Podcast. First off, I want to thank everyone for your continued support in listening to our podcast. We appreciate all the lessons and we hope that you continue to check us out in the new 2022 year. Wow, 2022. That's that's crazy. <laughs> well, December holidays are coming up and we are extremely glad to have it come to us and and give us a little bit of a break after a really, really draining and long year. It has been a difficult time for both physically and mentally for all of the healthcare workers as COVID has been continuing to challenge and strain our healthcare systems. We urge you to stay safe, make sure to find time for yourselves, keep active, and find comfort amongst your family, friends, and colleagues. We're always looking for more interviewers and editors for our podcast. So if you're at all interested in joining our team, please send us an email at macemergepodcast at gmail.com or you can just give me a shout on Twitter at uh, the handle is Kevin J. Dong MD and happy to connect and collaborate. For this month, I wanted to share a story about an interesting case I had recently. After my case, we have a residence corner from our star resident Ben Forstall and Maggie Vincent on physician wellness. It's a part two. If you haven't listened to part one, please check out the November episode on Mac Emerge podcast channel, on our SoundCloud, as well as our website, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts as well. So let's go to our case. Well, I recently had a case of an elderly male patient who presented with shortness of breath. He was recently diagnosed with lung cancer and had multiple thoracentesis for pleural fusions that required multiple trips to the ED. During my shift, he presented with similar findings and a subsequent chest x-ray confirmed this finding. Now, he had mentioned that this was starting to happen much more frequently and to the point where he had about four liters removed from the previous visit, which was only a few days previous. And now he's coming in more short of breath than ever, requiring five liters of oxygen. His vitals are stable at the time with a heart rate of around the 90s, maybe 100s, and systolic breath pressure of about 120 with the oxygen saturation being in the low 90s with oxygen. Respiratory around 24, 25, 26, but his temperature and sugar were normal. I had planned to do another tap and admit the patient so that he can be considered to get a like a permanent drain and with interventional radiology. But in the meantime, I had some time. I was waiting for the chest X-ray result. I was waiting for some blood work. And I went to go see other patients and because it was a busy emergency department. After 20 to 30 minutes or so, I hear my name from the, the top, the voice of God, right? The nurse asked me to come to the patient's bedside. When I got there, his vitals had changed to a rapid atrial fibrillation with a heart rate of 200 and systolic breath pressure of 90. He's now starting to drop. The patient complained of more shortness of breath. And when I looked at the x-ray even more closely, it looked like this entire chest on the left side was whited out, but 
start to see some shift compared to his previous x-rays he's had in the past, which showed actually the same whiteout, but his midline being in the middle. Now at a few moments of, hmm, what should I do? Considering the options where, do we cardiovert this guy who is now in unstable AFib and heart rate of 200 and his blood pressure is low? Do we give him some medication to maybe try to rate control? But really the, the thought in my head was, that we need to treat the underlying condition, which is a tamponade from pleural effusion, a malignant pleural effusion. To note, I did do a quick focus and, and uh, just to make sure we ruled out uh, pericardial effusion, which was uh, ruled out. Now, I decided to do a quick thoracentesis because this patient needed help and he needed his underlying condition to be treated. And to surprise myself, uh, with a quite a swift and effective procedure, we drained around two liters, and we probably could have drained more, but I was just concerned about re-expansion pulmonary edema. And even with two liters, patient stabilized. He actually just naturally converted into a sinus rhythm. His vitals actually normalized, and his oxygen requirements started to go down. So my learning point from this case was that patients with low physical reserve can deteriorate really quickly in real time in front of your eyes, you need to identify the cause. In, in this case, he had a malignant pleural fusion, which he's had before, but it started to cause tamponade from such a large collection of fluid. And then lastly, always remember to treat that underlying cause because when you think about the pathophysiology, it just makes sense. Cardioverting him or giving him medication would have potentially done a little bit of that Band-Aid effect, but ultimately he would probably have gone back to that rhythm and we needed to treat the underlying condition to ultimately make him feel better and stabilize the patient. Lastly, and I think probably the most importantly, you need to remain calm. This is a patient that needs your urgent care, but you should also be the most calm in the room. Someone wise once told me when I was doing my medical training that your heart rate should never be higher than the patient's, unless obviously they're in a bradyarrhythmia. So just be calm. He ultimately ended up doing well, got admitted under oncology, and subsequently received a nice pleural drain. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed that one. Something to think about, not something you see regularly, at least myself, and I work in a cancer center, but something to always think about, always think about the worst case scenario, always make sure to be calm think about what you need to be doing for this patient and think about always treating the underlying cause. Thank you for your time. I hope you all have happy holidays and enjoy the rest of the episode. Ciao. Welcome to Residence Corner, where you will learn about some of the awesome work that our McMaster Emerge residents have been up to. Hello everyone, welcome back to Residence Corner. As always, I'm Ben, one of the PGY2s in our Emerge program. This month, we'll be chatting with Dr. Maggie Vincent again for part two on our conversation about wellness. If you haven't heard part one already, please feel free to go back, listen to Residence Corner from our November episode, then take a listen here to an excellent conversation with Maggie about what it means to be well, and a few tips and tricks that can help you along the way.
I've done a lot of thinking about it and thinking about sort of my own experience and, and talking to other people and what makes them feel well and when they're feeling their best, you know, what's going on for them. And I've broken it down in my head into two main categories. So the first category is perspective. And the second category is acceptance or forgiveness. I use them interchangeably. I suppose I want to talk about two things when I talk about acceptance. So one, accepting ourselves for perhaps things that we've done in the past that maybe we're ashamed of or we wish we had done differently, choices that we've made. And also accepting our circumstances and the things that we can't change. And again, I want to be careful because I don't mean to say that we should just be passive in life and let things come to us and just accept everything and be stoic and have this infinite amount of resilience for, for hardship. I, that's not it at all. But, but I think when, once you are able to realize that what has happened has happened and that you have control over what can happen in the future to a certain degree, that gives us a much more controlled sense of who we are and helps eliminate some of the chaos around us when I'm doing a lot of negative talk to myself, right? So to, to me, this happens a lot. And I think it's very common, especially in medicine where we're very self-aware people. I think and we're very con concerned about being better all the time, right? We're all sort of perfectionists. And I think we tend to really knock ourselves down. It's sort of how we've been trained. It's ingrained in our culture that, oh, you didn't do this well enough and you need to do better next time. You can really get caught up in that. So for me, sometimes when I have those moments when I'm thinking about how I've done poorly at something or how I really need to do better at something, I try this trick that I've learned, wellness guru Tara Brock, sort of a yoga mindfulness guru in California um, and has a great website and podcast full of resources and leads wellness retreats and all kinds of things. I've, I've never been to one of her retreats, but I listen to her podcast a lot. And she has this great technique where she tells people when you're in one of those moments where you're just spiraling, take both your hands. You can try this with me if you want. Take both your hands and imagine that they are the hands of someone who really cares about you. So this could be a partner. It could be a parent. Somebody who's taken care of you and has loved you unconditionally. Maybe it's yourself even. And put both your hands on your cheeks, just like someone would who loved you. And tell yourself, it's okay. You're doing fine. And allow yourself that moment to be nurtured by that person. If you can sort of imagine that effect that they might have on you if they were really there. And for me, that has really helped me in moments when things have felt like they're just really too much. And sometimes I'll just close my eyes and literally just cut my my face and spend maybe a minute doing some deep breathing and, and channeling that energy. For me, it's it's my mother, but it doesn't have to be that for everyone. It can be it can be somebody else. And again, full credit to Tara Brock, but I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. You know, and I, I think if you can kind of practice that mindset even if it's just once in a while of, of accepting yourself. And even if there are things that you're ashamed of or things that you wish you had done differently in the past, tell yourself it's okay that, you know, that, that thing already happened. It doesn't mean that it has to happen again. And you can change the course of the future 
by learning from your past mistakes. And I think you're better able to do that. I think you have more capacity to do that if you love yourself more. And so techniques like that and that sort of general mindset help you develop that healthier inner self where for me, you're, I'm more confident to be able to change myself in a positive way if I have that self-love for myself because I know that I deserve it. Do you know what I mean? No, I think it's a beautiful technique. And I think your previous discussion as well on acceptance was really well thought out. And I know for me, I've had a very terrible superficial understanding of uh, stoicism. And so you read one quote, it's like, I'll worry about what you can't control and nothing else, which I think is probably a bit obtuse Mm -hmm. and not necessarily expressing enough compassion for yourself or those around you. And I appreciate your perspective on this and how we need to accept the crappy stuff that does go on and accept the crappy stuff that we worry we may have done and also focus on those things that are controllable those dependent variables in our own life and how we can seek as much joy but also control as much as we can of those things we may control so i i really appreciate this and i know i'll take a lot of these techniques forward myself good i'm glad do you have any last tips or tricks on how to be well like there's there's a couple things i want to say so I think if you're if you're thinking about getting into your wellness or changing it, or you think maybe you need a little bit more, say, balance in your life that way, but you don't know where to start, I would just pick one aspect of wellness, just one thing. Maybe it's meditation, maybe it's finances even. Just pick one thing and try understanding how that aspect of your life may be out of balance and what and what you can maybe do to change it. If you cho- if you do choose meditation. That's something that can be really overwhelming too. Um, I would highly advocate for meditation. I think it's an excellent technique, but I would sort of more advocate for it being PRN. Don't feel pressured to commit to buying an app where they promote that you need to meditate like every day or even three times a week. You know, that that just might just like that might be too much to have this extra scheduled thing on top of yourself. You can use meditation anytime, any place the face technique that I talked about earlier is sort of a form of meditation in a way. And you can do that, you know, during the day, anytime. And one meditation I really like to do before sleep that you don't need any guidance for, you can just do it yourself is a muscle contraction meditation. I don't know if you've heard of this before. I have, it was recommended to me during exams in undergrad. Excellent. I can't say I do it. (laughs) I, I used it. It worked well. It helped me sleep and, during right. exams and help me get my mind a bit quieter. I can't say I use it now, but as a great reminder mm-hmm. of it. So could you tell me a bit more about it? You want to get into a comfortable, comfortable position. For me, it's usually lying down. And what you're going to do is close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, start at the top of your body. So starting at your forehead and just raise your eyebrows up really high and try and contract that muscle and then down to your eyes and contract, contract, contract as hard as you can and keep going muscle group by muscle group all the way down until you get to your toes and you just literally curl your toes tight, tight, tight. And after every contraction, hold it for maybe like three to five seconds, usually release and, and take a nice breath. And I find, you know, it only takes 
two minutes, probably less than that, honestly. And it's a way to force your mind to think about your muscles and not think about whatever's going on in your head, which is why meditation is usually so hard because you have to sit and think of nothing. And that's very difficult to do when you're thinking of a lot of different things. So I like to use those guided types of meditations where I have something else to put my energy towards. Yeah. It's being deliberate. Yeah. And it forces you to be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will definitely remember to be doing this guided meditation to help get me to relax. You're right. It doesn't take a lot, a long time. It's just being very mm. deliberate for a few minutes. Exactly. Any other tricks that you'd recommend for those of us trying to be more well? A really big part of what makes humans feel connected and like we have purpose is our connection to one another. And I think this is partic- this has been particularly important with COVID. I think the whole world has experienced that isolation um, and how negatively that can affect our sense of well-being as humans because it's our human nature to want to be connected to each other. But I, I what's interesting is that I, you know, I think residents and arguably anybody in the medical profession has felt that more regularly for a long time. We've been dealing with that for a very long time. Um, and I think that's one of the hardest things of residency and med school. Um, and so for any med students and residents listening to this, if you feel like your wellness needs a little bit of a tune-up, wh- one of the best places to start, I think, is connecting with people around you. And again, I don't mean that you need to be super social and have, you know, millions and millions of friends. It's just one or two people who you can really count on and making the effort to have regular social interaction, I think is incredibly important. So if you're lucky enough to have somebody who lives in the same city as you, that's great. You know, arrange to meet them outdoors or indoors, you know, depending on what phase of lockdown we're in or what your personal preference is. But I think it's important not to let ourselves get carried away by our jobs and by our busy study schedules. And which I think is honestly a little bit too easy to do because there's so much pressure on us to be perfect. We're always trying to achieve something. Let yourself be okay with maybe being a little bit less perfect at something but spending an extra few hours a week with a friend or with a group. And even though in the moment you may not feel an intense personal connection, I think over time that really adds up. And if you don't know where to go for that, there are lots of great uh, like running groups, walking groups, for example, these are the things that I know because I'm into that kind of thing, but there are lots of free running and walking groups in Hamilton And you're welcome to reach out to me if you need like specific names of where to start. I'd be happy to help you. Yeah, I I can't agree more. I know for me, the things that always help reset, and again, this is my bias of being someone who likes to bike or likes to run, is being outside with those people for half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it is, once or twice a week. And... I think almost going back to that like kid on the recess yard, like just connection with a human being where you're just both doing something together is not the stresses that we uh, 
have to always think about now. And you're so right. We're always trying to be better at something. And we kind of forget where we are. And sometimes even why we're doing it, because there's so many pressures. You get home from a shift and know now you have to go study. And you're studying, you're like, ah, I can't go hang out with that friend right now because I need to catch up or need to work on this paper. And it's a great reminder that it's those breaks that give us the energy to do the things we need to do. But also those breaks is where life happens. And a couple of things you reminded me of when you when you said that is when you're taking those breaks, if it's going to be a social break and you're going to hang out with a friend, you know, and and maybe it's not working for you. It's not making you feel relaxed or you're not looking forward to it. It feels like more work. I think it's okay to consider which friends you do that with. Right. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to get a whole new set of friends, but I think that different people provide us different, different values. And, and, and I think it's important to recognize what you might have in some friendships versus others, right? Um, and like you were saying, you know, you, you're somebody who likes to bike and run and be outside and you feel really well when you can kind of connect with almost like your inner child and feel like you're just using play, right? And imagination and creativity. Um, and for everybody, it might be a little bit different. Maybe somebody who's a little more introverted might prefer... Um, something that's a little bit more cerebral, right? And that brings me back to, to the storytelling session that we have had. I think the main point of that was to allow yourself to immerse in some creativity and use that to analyze in, in, a, in a positive and non-judgmental way stories that you've told yourself about yourself and how th- that story that you've told yourself maybe is was told in a negative way and is really tainted with um, a lens that isn't, that isn't giving you, isn't giving you wellness, right? And being able to sort of retell that story to yourself. So I think all these things being, um, having more human connection, having more of a perspective on your own life and the lives of others and having acceptance can help us retell the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and help us live a life where we feel less internal chaos. And I hope everyone else listening learned as much as I did because I thought that was that was wonderful and gives me lots of things that I know I should be considering going forward to the next week, next month, through the very challenging thing that is residency and is medicine. So I can't thank you enough. Thanks, Ben. It was great to be here and Um, Thank you again so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mac Emerge podcast. We hope that this brings you new information and helps you up your game so you can deliver better patient care to our region. Remember... We are always looking for new talent and expertise to feature in our podcast. So if you're interested, please feel free to contact us at our email at macemergepodcast at gmail.com. We're also looking to improve your experience, so please submit your feedback as well. Again, thanks for listening. Let's all stay connected. Mac Emerge out!